0: Welcome to another episode in the Destination Rural podcast series. I'm Peter Rutherford. I'm the CEO of the Rural Doctors Association of Australia. And in this episode, I'll be talking to the RDAA 2020 Rural Doctor of the Year, Dr. Jerry Considine, who is based in Clare, South Australia. Hi, Jerry, and thanks for joining the Destination Rural podcast series. Um, for this episode, um, based in Clare, uh, and how is South Australia?
1: It's good, uh, lockdown-free for the moment. So we'll, but we'll wait and see. So we're thinking of our eastern state state uh, brethren, uh, pulling for you guys over there.
0: Excellent. Well, we'll jump straight in. Um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Where are you originally from, and a bit about your journey that took you to Claire.
1: Sure thanks Peter. Um, I grew up in the eastern suburbs of a small town in Victoria called Melbourne. Uh, It's grown a bit since then Um, but I had done my high schooling in Melbourne and my first degree was in biomedical science but had a yearning for something a bit more. The uh, lab that I was attached to in my honours year as part of my science degree had a clinical uh, team attached. So got to meet some of the doctors and the work that they were doing. And it was actually the contact with patients that I really envied uh, for those doctors that were working with our our lab. So during that year sat the GAMSAT and got into postgraduate medicine at Flinders University in South Australia. And as uh, the doctors or or, um, junior doctors and medical students will know, Wherever you get a spot in medical school, uh, you go for it. So I took the opportunity and went to Flinders Uni in South Australia, which got me out of Victoria and exposed me to South Australia and um, Adelaide, being a much smaller capital city than Melbourne, of course. And then Flinders have a real, and still do, a real emphasis on rural uh, placements and GP attachments. So I got a couple of those experiences during my uh, medical student time. And fell in love with rural practice, and thought that's what I wanted to end up end up doing. So, from that time, really based a lot of my placements and my uh, skill set around wanting to be a future doctor in the country. So, it was that getting into Flinders and, and Flinders pushing me, um, giving some of me these opportunities that that um, made me end up in in rural South Australia.
0: So, when when you did Flinders, like were you? Like as you went along, was it a little bit of a push to start with to get you to go rural but then you found you loved it or was it something that you just were immersed in and, and thought, yep, this is for me?
1: A bit of both, I reckon. Uh, it did start off as I, I was keen on anaesthetics uh, and paediatrics was sort of two of my main interests in, during medical school and we did an um, attachment in third year, so that was out of third out of four years, And that was just a mandatory attachment that everyone went to a rural town for two or three weeks. And I went to a town called Corn and there's a um, cowboy trailblazing doctor called Tony Lee and Lloyd up there. And as it turned out, the week I was up there was um, the week of a big town hall uh, pitchforks and fire meeting where they were arguing against the state government um, essentially wanting to close about 80% of the country hospitals around the state. So I was there during this real politically charged time and saw uh, Tony as the doctor in this town as being super passionate about his work and the community being passionate about healthcare in, in rural areas. And I just remember sitting in that meeting thinking, wow, people are really passionate about healthcare in rural areas and, and seeing that the doctors were too. And that was probably the time when I uh, started then seeking out more opportunities. It was just. Uh, so went on that mandatory placement, but it was after that that I started um, seeking out more opportunities.
0: So you mentioned, Tony, how important is it to have those rural mentors as a medical student, junior doctor, just to sort of, I mean, you're so exposed to, you know, subspecialties in the big hospitals and things like that. So how important is it to sort of develop those connections and identify maybe a couple of rural mentors to take you through?
1: Yeah, for me, it was very important. It might not be for everyone. There might be some students that really know that that's their pathway and they're going to make it um, as a rural doctor no matter what. But for someone like me who was from the city originally, um, I hadn't really lived in a country area, having a mentor and someone that I could then connect to and be in touch with was extremely important. And you're absolutely right that we get exposed to those subspecialty teachers at the hospitals where we end up um, doing a lot of our medical student work, so they're sort of natural mentors that are already there. Having either a a set mentor that we're placed with in the regional areas or if we're um, connected with one during our time, um, yeah, super important. So I'm glad to see some of those programs happening uh, around the country to, to help with that.
0: Okay. So in your everyday work, um, or just even in your professional career in Clare, how do you create sort of a bit of variety so it's not, you know, the same thing day in, day out? Like And that a lot of people talk about that rural medicine itself has a huge amount of variety, but how do you personally do that within the clinical practice, but also within your broader sort of medical work that you do?
1: Yeah, it's a really good question, and people do often assume that you work in rural areas, it's already going to be quite varied. That's true of working in, if, you, if you're, say, a GP working in the clinic um, during office hours, and then you have some on-call work at the hospital. Of course, uh, in the clinic and the hospital, anything can walk in the door where those opportunities may not be as much in city areas where patients might take themselves directly to a, a tertiary hospital. So in the rural areas, those patients will present to you, no matter if you're in the clinic or the hospital. Within uh, within that, though, in the clinic setting, you can choose um, other specialties. And I remember Professor Michael Kidd saying once that patients often choose your specialty, that people often uh, will come to you for a particular problem. You get pretty good at that. Work gets around that, hey, go see Jerry. He's not bad with skin cancer. And before you know it, you're doing more and more of this work and you think, well, I better actually get pretty good at this and do some more courses and training because people are coming to me so I better have the answers. So in a way, some of the rural patients choose your little subspecialties and interests, but you can also um, declare, this is what I'm interested in and and really set yourself up. Um, So, for example, my wife, Mel, who's a GP as well, has a very big interest in lactation consulting um, as part of her experience with breastfeeding. So... Um, she has done some extra training and put herself out there to say if you're having some problems with breastfeeding or some advice on the GP you can come and talk to and not only just for patients but for other GPs so all of us at our Clare Medical Centre practice have different areas of interest and I can ask Mel for some advice about breastfeeding, I could ask Dr Todd about some uh, minor surgery advice, I can ask Prash about anaesthetics so we've all got our little interests and we can refer to each other for advice or even refer the patient across and say, Hey, do you mind going see um, Phil? He's really great with um, geriatric care. I think he'd be able to give me some, give you some advice that I'm not quite up with. So you can do it two ways. You can either just let it happen naturally and find those uh, skills and interests, or you can actually seek them out and and say, this is what I'm um, passionate about and come and see me for X.
0: Okay. You, you mentioned Mel um, in talking there, and I know you've got a, a beautiful young family. Um, tell, tell me a little That's bit from about... That's her side, I think. I don't think those <laughs> didn't come from me. <laughs> well, t- tell me a little bit about, you know, having a young family in a community like Claire, some of the decisions that you're going to have to make um, in relation to your family life and... And what, you know, are they weighing heavily or are they being put off for the future or are you pretty well settled in Clare for the the long haul?
1: Yeah, it's a good question and it's one that I'm sure junior doctors um, and medical students grapple with and it's probably one of the questions that do keep a lot of junior doctors from becoming rural um, clinicians. So we're lucky that we, um, we landed in Clare. Mel had been a medical student here and had done her registrar training here I'd been quite a bit more rural with my initial training um, and Mel's brother and now mum live here in Clare, so there was a family base here already. So there becomes that instant sort of network uh, there, which was nice. Um, Around that, though, practices and communities, you know, do chip in. So we sort of have thought even if we ended up somewhere more rural, we still would have been able to make it work with what we've seen other doctors had help from their communities and, Um, local local businesses so for us we found that this has been a very good place for us with the family connections however communities really pull together it having had we've got three boys under the age of five and for us um, it hasn't changed dramatically our what we would want to do with the boys we're not missing out on what they do because of our work and vice versa Um, so yeah it, it just becomes trying to find that mix between a town that supports you well enough that the workload isn't too uh, ridiculous again Claire's lucky that we've got a few doctors to share the on-call workload Mm -hmm. there might be other towns where that's actually a lot harder where you might be the only doctor or there might be only two doctors so you've got to find that intersection for where the family life will work and what you're willing to um, sacrifice for family or for work and, and find that happy medium
0: yeah. Okay. So about finding that the community that's right for you and right for your family. That's right. What What about the schools in Clare? Because I guess one of the things that often, again, is either I think sometimes a, a preconceived idea is about you know the quality of education and or what education can offer in a lot of the rural towns. And certainly, I know a lot of doctors that their kids have had really artistic. Um, You know high school experiences and gone on to amazing things so i'm just interested is that something that weighs heavily on you or something that you're you're really comfortable with in a community like claire
1: yeah it's about that community spirit so that was the first thing for us that this is a place where um, we are supported as doctors if we have a family we know that you know things will be fine here Um, There are some good schooling options. Um, There's a a local um, uh, Catholic private school that goes up to year 10. There's the high school, which has got a good rep for um, all sorts of subjects. I've said to Mel, uh, if if our kids are anything like me, they may need to um, look at some private schooling or or, um, something a bit more um, of a push. If they're like Mel and her brother, who both went to um, a high school in, in a small country town in South Australia... Uh, our kids will be fine here because both Mel and her brother being a doctor and a dentist respectively and very cluey and switched on. So if they're anything like Mel and Ben, they'll be fine locally. If they're like me, we may need to send them somewhere else, but we'll just have to see how they go. A decision
0: for another day.
1: And that's kind of it. You know, we're here and if we work here for 10, 15 years and then we're thinking about moving, that's okay too. We might not have to. But I think that idea of the rural doctor having to stay in a town for 30 or 40 years is gone. For some people it might work, but for a lot of people, they might want to put in their 5, 10, even 15 years at a place and then move on. And if we have a rotating um, uh, cohort of doctors wanting to do that, that will actually be good for our our towns as well. So I think find the town and the work balance uh, that, that fits you and then the other things like schooling and other things can sort of fit around it, and you can make that work.
0: Yeah. You, you talked about balance. So, what do you do in Clare, um, like, or or just generally, not necessarily in Clare, but just generally for social life and um, you know taking time out away from medicine?
1: Yeah, we're really lucky in Clare. That's quite a vibrant community. It's a, well known as a wine growing district, and not so much that there's adequate supply of said wine, but it's an area where there are, I think you said before, some artistic people and, and um, entrepreneurial um, feeling around the place. So there are little cafes that pop up. There's restaurants that come. Uh, people are doing things here. So it's actually quite an easy place to afford that. And having said that, you know, Claire's lucky it's a very picturesque area and it's got that wine connection. But Places I've worked um, across on the Air Peninsula and more remotely, they've got little cafes popping up, and people are doing really cool stuff. And maybe that's a post-COVID uh, type of feeling that's happening. But even in the smaller towns, there are really interesting opportunities and things that are happening outside of the medical world that uh, then can, that can sustain people living in these towns.
0: I can't! You believe that you didn't mention you're flying, you're singing. Oh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah, well, I, I, that's, a, I guess, another thing that um, people that uh, and I know a couple of doctors that uh, have got their pilot's licence and fly around. I'm not doing as much flying these days with the kids under five, but it's something that does reduce the humdrum of travelling for six hours in your car and might only take an hour in the plane. Uh, it's certainly not any more cheap, but it's fun. Uh, so that's something that um, can interest people as well. Uh, both Mel and myself are... Very happy um, musicians, and we like to play a bit of music and, and have our boys interested in that. So, um, when I can get the ukulele out, uh, I'll do that. So, not today, it's, it's right here. No,
0: not today, <coughs>
1: <laughs> it usually sits here in the office with me. That wasn't pre pre-plan- planned. <laughs> uh,
0: um, you also mentioned before, in um, when you're talking about the practice and you know the environment you work, you talked about that, Claire actually has quite a few doctors and I think that's what again one of the things that a lot of people worry about is that rural may mean that you're really isolated but um you're a principal in the practice is that correct that's
1: right
0: so it's one of the things that I do think though that um younger doctors grapple with in going rural you know what I, I guess you know if you've got any words of advice is it something that they should worry about like Or is practice ownership something or, you know, buying into a practice as a principal, something that also adds value to your work or, you know, gives you another sort of element to think about? But it's, it's just something that's come up a lot more recently, I think, with junior doctors that they don't necessarily want to go out and buy into a practice. So keen to get your perspective on the benefits, but also maybe things to watch out for.
1: Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I guess I'm glad that the junior doctors are now thinking more about that or that it is a concern that I guess we're happy to talk about. It's a very different model to working in the hospital and, and having your shift work and getting your salary. Um, there's a lot more effort that goes into owning a practice and a lot more decision-making uh, that happens as well. A lot of the bigger practices like ours, we have uh, an office manager and, and um finance and business people working that we've employed as well. So they can often do a lot of the um, businessy type work that that we're not one, not good at, and two, don't really enjoy as much. However, with the extra decision-making, it means that you have, um, you feel that bit of ownership and and it is, it is nice to to help direct a practice in a certain way. So when COVID uh, struck in, in March last year for a lot of the practices, we got together as a group and could make some really good decisions and be quite nimble about that. Whereas at the hospital, at our you know state government run hospital, things were a bit slower and and took a long time to to get on board. So um, with the extra um, responsibility and decision making comes with it opportunity, and it's I find it quite fun. I actually look forward to our practice partners meetings where we we sit around a table and have not only just a business chat about where we're going, but Um, a collegial chat about how we are going as people and doctors and we get along really well and we're friends. So it's, um, I've enjoyed it a lot and I wouldn't, I guess I didn't really understand even in the community, the perception of what a a partner or principal uh, was in the town. When I signed on and became one of the principals, people really took notice. And I think that was a sign of I'm here for the long run and I am passionate about this this centre and I want to improve it. So I was interested to see patients really saying, oh, you're a principal now, fantastic, great. You know, I, I didn't think they would have any concept of what that was or would would care, but they actually do. Um, perhaps that's something in retrospect that Clare Medical Centre has fostered and so people understand what that means because the doctors previously have worked on that. Um and, yeah, it's, I've, I've really enjoyed it and uh, I wouldn't think twice again about uh, signing up as a, as a partner principal. Okay.
0: So how many doctors do work in your practice?
1: Yeah, we've got there's at least 12 uh, at various stages of part-time. So at any one time, there's sort of seven to eight full-time equivalents in the practice. We not only have Clare Medical Centre, which services our town proper, but Uh, we have an outreach clinic out to borough and also to snowtown and we do some uh, uh, anesthetic work in some of the regional towns for their for their theaters uh, and also some outreach skin cancer work so at any one time in the claire practice there might be five or six doctors and then the others are scattered around the place so it's a it's a pretty vibrant place and we're lucky that we have got the doctors that we do uh, having said that, it's a town that's busy enough to need that, so I know there are other towns that are a lot smaller that might only need, you know, one or two, three doctors. So we're lucky that that we've got a critical mass of docs that the on-call workload isn't too much.
0: Okay. How, how much training, like what's the... How much training do you do in the practice? Do you have medical students? Do you have junior doctors, registrars? And how important is it to have that sort of training environment in a practice?
1: Yeah, really important. So we have uh, two out of those three. We have uh, registrars through our training provider. Uh, We usually have one or two uh, at least every year. And medical students, we have three to four medical students through the Adelaide Uni their fifth year, so then their uh, penultimate year that they come up uh, for the full year um, with our practice. And they rotate out to some of the other towns for their paediatric and obstetric experience. Um, even though we do have deliveries in Clare, they need to get their numbers up uh, to go to a different place. It's extremely important. keeps us on our toes. I need to know my stuff uh, to teach them. But also it's about that uh, succession planning. So Mel's an example of that. She came through Clare as both a student and a registrar uh, and had that connection. And when it came time for both of us to find a town to settle in, um, Mel's previous supervisors actually came up to us at our uh, um, a GP uh, graduation ceremony and said, Where do you guys want to work with Mel? We'd love to have you. You're fantastic. We know you. We'll put up with you, Jerry. You sound <laughs> all right, but we'll see how you go. But she had that connection. So, and there's been registrars that have come back to us as well. Um, our practice has actually recently bought a small practice in Adelaide, and that's also another place where registrars who like our style and like what we do. There's another place they can work in Adelaide that has that, those same values. So that that connection and knowing, and this comes down to those mentors that you mentioned before, um, so important. So if there are practices out there that don't have students or don't have registrars and looking to, I definitely would would go for it. It's just it's a no brainer.
0: All right. What's the best advice you've ever been given? Um, it, whether it's in relation to medical medicine or <laughs> What was that, get married?
1: No, no, like was it advice related to marriage?
0: No, 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 just just life in general, but it's something that may have stuck with you and certainly makes maybe your life as a rural doctor a little bit easier.
1: Oh, you put me on the spot. I was going to say if it was advice about marriage, that's yes, say yes, dear, yes, dear. Um, That's kept me out of trouble. Well, Uh, happy
0: wife, happy life.
1: (laughs) That's right, that's right. Uh, In medicine, oh, I'll have to think about that. I think my grandfather, he was an ear nose and throat doctor in Melbourne many years ago, so from a very very different generation. Um, but he he said in medicine you know if you if you're true to yourself that's you know I think he he was a big fan of hamlet so above all things to thine own self be true. So he said if you know you're doing the right thing you know that that will sustain you. So there might be patients that think, oh, you should have given me that antibiotic or you didn't do the right thing there. But if you know in your heart of hearts, you're doing things for the right reasons, you're helping patients, you're trying to make your community healthy, um, that'll sustain you. So I think if I ever, and we do doubt ourselves a lot, uh, Mel and I have talked about, we often suffer from imposter syndrome, even, you know, 10 years after fellowship, that we still think, oh, do I, do I do I really know this well enough? But to back yourself and to know that you're trying to do the best thing you can, um, that that'll sustain you and, and should alleviate any worries of if you're not quite um, sure of yourself or you know that if you're worried about things. So to that th- end,
0: that's some pretty good advice. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, thanks.
0: we're oh. going f- gonna to finish on a quick fire round, so I'm just going to. Blurt things out. Sure. And so just put your hand the, on the buzzer. Yeah. No, you don't have to buzz, but just oh. say the first thing that pops into your mind. Okay. Okay. So, guilty pleasure. Chocolate. Okay. Favorite holiday destination. marimbula Okay. Crows Port or.
1: Other. Uh, Collingwood. <laughs> Collingwood. Oh, no.
0: okay,
1: yeah. I got all my right teeth. Now. Got all we're my teeth
0: now. No tattoos.
1: All my teeth. <laughs>
0: Okay. Best thing about rural medicine. Patience. The worst thing about rural medicine.
1: Patience. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> probably on call. The that. Am I going to get called tonight? That the phone sitting there is it going to ring? That that does wear you down a bit. Okay.
0: Recommended Claire wine.
1: Oh, I would recommend um, Sussex Squire. It's a local local vineyard. Very nice.
0: Okay. All right. Last one RACGP ACRAM or College of Dermatologists?
1: Oh, uh, I started out doing both. I um, ACRAM fell away and I completed my fellowship of RACGP. I uh, have had nothing to do with the uh, College of Dermatologists, but I uh, would highly recommend the Master of Medicine in Skin Cancer Surgery through the University of Queensland. If you've got interest in skin cancer work, that is a brilliant course.
0: Well, that is it, Jerry. So thank you for joining us. <laughs> it's painless. Thank you. Congratulations on being the RDAA Rural Doctor of the Year in 2020. So oh. I feel very privileged that you've given up some time to talk to me today. So thank no, you. No,
1: thank you, Peter. Nice to talk to you.
0: Thank you.